Thanks for tuning in to the Replatform podcast sponsored by Ampliance and Clavio. You're listening to myself, James Gerd, and my co-host, Paul Rogers. How are you today, sir? Good, thank you. How are you doing? It's Monday. It's grey. My brain is in a similar mood. So let, let's let's see how this goes. We've got a cracking topic. Let's see if my brain's capable of dealing with it. Um, I, I, yeah, thanks to regular listeners for tuning back in. And if this is your first time on the podcast, we hope you enjoy it. You can subscribe to get a weekly email alert and we'd love a rating on YouTube, Spotify and Apple to tell us whether or not we're doing well on this podcast. So our topic today is is justifying replatforming and an e-commerce tech project investment during a recession. So quite topical given where a lot of the world is at, um, you know, more specifically to like UK, Europe and, and to some of our US listeners. Yeah, it's been a tough year for many e-commerce businesses. There's tough, tougher trading conditions. There's been a bumper 2021 off the back of the pandemic. Um, so, you know, exponential e-commerce growth, but now some verticals, specifically verticals like furniture, have really struggled to hit sales targets. Some um, revenues are going back and shrinking year on year online. Customers are cutting back on, on non-essential spend. And therefore, businesses are re-evaluating the need to invest, whether that's in capital projects or even tightening purse strings or on OPEX budgets as well. So what we want to cover today is, is there a justification to invest in, in e-commerce capital projects during tough trading times? What are the risks of going down that route? What are the potential benefits? So why would you consider doing it? And how can you mitigate the risk and make sure you're making the right decision? Um, anything to add to that, mate? No, I don't think so. No, I think that summarises it well. Cool. Well, um, let me pose the first question and you can you can go and riff on it and then I'll add to it afterwards. So why would you um, spend uh, on an e-commerce capital project during an economic downturn? Yeah. So, your justification? Yeah, so I think the main two that I've seen recently, because uh, I do still think there's, you know, loads of big projects being signed off at the moment. I think the biggest one that I've seen has been uh, basically people having pretty high kind of um, running cost or maintenance costs around their platform. And they're looking to basically build a CapEx project to save uh, from an OPEX perspective or uh, maybe like um, change where that money's going. So rather than spending money on upgrades or patches or, you know, server costs or support chains, et cetera, spending that on kind of new features and being able to spend the same amount of money over a three-year period, but getting more kind of tangible benefit and new features and yeah roadmap items as a result of that expense so i guess just like reducing wastage um and then the second one um which is why most people do a replatforming project is still just being able to kind of justify um the benefit of yeah being able to do it so getting more um from a business perspective be that kind of you know the customer experience you know having more control over how you're trading the site or yeah generally kind of introducing new features or improving ux or anything else that's going to deliver kind of benefit to a brand or retailer so they're still the two big ones that i'm seeing yeah actually it's a really good point you made about the it sometimes might not be about net saving on an annualized basis for a business but divesting where spend is going so that you become operationally more effective and that's yeah the good one is on capex and i have seen that done before where the the license fees and the, the fees to like keep the platform going are really disproportionately high as a percentage of gmv so you know you're talking over 
well over one percent when you know people are used to getting that down to one percent and below and wanting to spend more of the overall e-commerce budget on opex and trading capacity so that you're investing in whether that's improving customer experience or it's driving acquisition retention or better tooling for the business to trade more effectively in merchandise pages so i think that's a really really good point it isn't always just about saving money um the one that i've definitely seen when when talking to clients when they're looking at what they're doing with their technology stacks at the moment and even historically in the last time when people are going through tough trading times is is taking stock when it might be a bit quieter in terms of the throughput through the platform and therefore how much time they're spending every day, you know, getting campaigns live, merchandising, making sure orders are sorted, dealing with customer services. When that's a bit quieter and they've got more time to think, is coming back to known operational and tech issues that are stopping them doing what they'd love to do as a business. And this could be, this is either down to tooling or the process of using the platforms that they've got or the smoothness of the integration between the core e-commerce platform, back-end systems. And thinking about if they can fix some of those issues now while things are a bit quieter, then they're in a far better place to scale back up and be operationally sound and even cope with more capacity than they're doing, they have been previously doing, than if they just leave it and go for the risk averse approach and then wait to scale back up when the economy is already improving. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a good example of that, um, one use case I was thinking about, um, I can't give this specific um, client reference to it, but was around um, issues with warehouse management systems and the ability to speed up the pick and pack processes to get more orders out. So it wasn't the inability of an e-commerce platform to push orders down. It was actually the all-round ecosystem and the ability to integrate um, and improve warehouse management systems and get those um, calls working, the APIs working between the two systems and needing to fix that because they knew that if they were going to do yeah, if they were going to push loads of discount and promotional activity as the economy recovered to drive that that uh, initial impetus of ordering, that they wouldn't actually be able to sh- get those out and and ship and get uh, the highest uh, meet their service levels and a higher level of orders. I think um, one other thing that we haven't mentioned yet that um, something you said just triggered me remembering this from the first round of COVID when everyone else stopped spending money was I remember we had one client that basically doubled down and essentially took the opportunity to try and build some level of like competitive advantage with their site and their tech stack um, because everyone else was stopping spending, you know, reducing marketing budgets, reducing headcounts. Um, and I guess that would be one of the other potential opportunities. Um, I think there's a Harvard Business Review article that loads of people in the marketing world have been citing, which says around it, uh, if you invest during a, an economic downturn you're more likely to come out stronger um and yeah i guess that principle applies as well like there is still an opportunity to um i guess you know gain more market share when other people are looking maybe weaker yeah exactly and we'll come on in a minute to, to the risks and some of the reasons why you might not be willing to or be in a position to but now let's focus on exactly what what could be the justifications where yeah you that point you made earlier about changing your model and i've, I've definitely seen this in practice with clients is trying to reduce some of the long uh some of the costs on a long-term basis where if you had a different set of tools or you had a more modern platform that wasn't beset with legacy problems in terms of okay, well, we need resources in a web ops team to continuously configure, make sure it's running, fix issues. Um, and I've seen this in various 
projects over the years where the complexity of the platforms increased over time and the technical debts mounts and you need a web ops team in-house and maybe that's two people or on um, full-term salaries the ability to switch to a ecosystem maybe it's a modern SaaS platform maybe it's a shopify or a big commerce or yeah, you know, a more modern version of like you know, it might be an old Salesforce installation, but you move to the more modern, um, uh, you know, cloud version, or you might move uh, uh, into a a better implementation of it and take away the need to have that resource. All of a sudden, you might be saving yourself, you know, eighty to hundred k a year simply by reinvesting that money in the um, platform up front. But then you get your ROI over the next two three years. Um, and then the the other one I've got is that you often find this, don't you, during when things are really busy and hectic for trading, like the last couple of years, specifically as the pandemic drove more people online to shop, you got people frantically going off and launching campaigns, marketing, promotions, and you have all these little side projects of we want to get a better third-party tool to do X because we know the current one's not fit for purpose or you know the license fee is too expensive, we haven't renegotiated. and sometimes. Um, the platform you're on doesn't have an integration with the third-party tool you really want to use, especially if you're on a proprietary system where the ecosystem isn't as robust as like a you know a, a Shopify or BigCommerce or a Magento ecosystem. And that replatforming piece uh, can actually help you to unpick some of those barriers and enable you to plug in the best of breed tools that you want and therefore increase your, your operational capacity by doing it that way. Anything else? We, uh, anything else we're missing in terms of what might be reasons to invest in e-commerce capital projects? Well, I think the only other thing, and um, I guess, is and it, it falls back into the same thing, but some level of end of life thing would be the only other thing. Like, or um, I guess if you're on a Magento, for example, and you know you get quoted forty, fifty k to do an upgrade, um, suddenly there's then justification to invest that and maybe five months worth of running costs into yeah. um, a repurposing project. I guess that's the only other um, the other one that's usually like the biggest trigger of that kind of calculation. Where again, you're not necessarily spending any more, but you're yeah. kind of refactoring. Money. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, I, we'll come on to this point later, but often when people think about a, a um, capital project, it's seen as a cost rather than looked at in terms of value and ROI and benefit. And obviously costs have to be justified. You can't just throw away money when economic conditions are tough. But you're right, that that ability to, to think about the opportunity costs of staying where you are and that opportunity cost, if you're, do, if you're basing this over a three to five year period what is the opportunity cost on the current platform and yeah that, that upgrade bit i've seen that i declined recently on a on an old magento version that was unsupported they needed to upgrade to 2.4 but because they had because the agency basically hard-coded so much and created such a customized version of the open source there were so many backwards incompatible issues that to do that upgrade, it was 50K. I mean, that's a bonkers amount of money just to upgrade. You're not getting any in major incremental features. You're just keeping the platform working and secure and compliant. Um, so yeah, good good point on that one. So that's hopefully that's helped people give some context of what are some of the ways you can justify um, if you're trying to build up a business case internally or think about some of the angles in which you can put forward a business case. Now let's talk about the risks because if the economy is going into a recession, if people are spending less, budgets are tightening and uh, people are fighting around for customers, then obviously that creates risk. If you're 
continuing to spend. So, Paul, from your point of view, what are the what are the risks if you were to commit to a, pro- a project of this this size, basically? So I think uh, first one that I wanted to highlight, which I think is, you know, the same for any replatforming project, is that, you know, it's easy to go over budget or not easy, but, you know, if it's not prepared for in the right way or, you know, you're leaving unknowns on the table, etc., um, you could easily go over budget and that budget might not exist or, you know, it might push the business a lot further than it might outside of, um, you know, this type of period. So I think um, that's one big one is that you know yeah of going over budget um i think the other one is you try and do the project on the cheap and then you don't end up getting as much out of the uh project as you might otherwise so if you know if you're trying to squeeze you know a major and i have seen this a lot particularly at the start again of covid where people are replatforming they take a 200 grand project and they try and get it done for 50 grand um and then they get you know a pretty poor um end product and then also you know see impacts in other areas where things just aren't done properly um so yeah i think that's a, a major one um and then the other big one that i would say is just uh maybe over thinking the benefits and i'm sure i think we've probably discussed this in the past is when you see uh you know brands saying to or like you know an internal person trying to get a project signed off they say we're going to move to big commerce or shopify and our conversion rate is going to double overnight so like over promising i guess because yeah things are um there's obviously a lot more um i guess yeah people are a lot more cautious um and have higher expectations during this kind of you know during a recession or an economic downturn so that would be yeah the other one what is ampliance in a word it's freedom the freedom to build a digital experience as limitless as your vision create preview schedule and manage all your content in one easy place find out more at ampliance.com Ampliance. Experience freedom. Yeah, I, I think that I think that thing about trying to rush it is an interesting one. And there are way, and again, there are ways that you can mitigate the risk of this, especially depending on the on the project you got. For example, if a if a business is trying to replatform because it wants to expand and open up new markets, and therefore the efficiency cost of doing that on a new platform is better. One of the ways around it to minimise the scope, cost, effort could be just to launch a new territory on a new platform as a proof of concept. That I've seen, I've seen some even some big brands do this where they've been on a legacy like a Salesforce or a, an old, um, you know, um, Hybris SAP, and they've decided, you know, to move from an ideological point of view to a Shopify, and instead of instead of just doing a big bang mass migration. They've literally launched a single storefront in a new market on Shopify, embedded it in until they're confident that the business processes are working. They've got the right architectural setup, the stability is good, the third parties are working effectively, the business can use it, and then they they then go into phase two, which is the full migration. So I guess that whilst there is a risk of it, there are ways of mitigating it. I think the, the other bit is: Are you sure that investing in replatforming? is the best use of capital outlay at this time? Or is there an alternative project which could give you either better operational efficiency, better impact on customer service, better impact on on revenue? Maybe you've been trying to upgrade your customer service systems for a while and that's not what the e-commerce platform does. 
and actually given the fact you're into recession and that you're trying to you know squeeze as much money out of your existing client base and, and be as effective as possible in servicing customers and not losing customers is actually a capital outlay in that part of the business more effective use of money and time and resource because you know, as paul said trying to rush this you these are big projects. There's a lot of resource demand. You've got to make sure that that resource is focused in the right areas. So I think the risk is not doing your due diligence well enough to sit down and really scrutinise what's what's critical for your business to achieve through this tough period. If you expect the recession to be 12, 18, 24 months, what are the critical capabilities that will help you get through with a viable, stable business that can keep itself afloat? Um, and is replatforming the key enabler, or is that something that needs to be further down the line after other projects are done? Um, and then my my final one, I say final, uh, there's probably a lot more we could talk about on this, but the other key risk would be, uh, and linked to this is obviously, the, we're talking about the resource and the fact that it's not a small project to do a replatform. You need people in there from business stakeholder point of view, subject matter experts, and each project management. Are you simply distracting people from making sure that the business operates as efficiently as it possibly can throughout the downturn and maximizes its sales opportunity? Are people taking the eye off the ball because they're worried about the um, the big capital project versus day-to-day trading? So really need to think about, can the people continue to effectively operate within their day-to-day roles whilst having this project? Um, yeah, that, I guess that would be my, my um, last point in terms of major risks. Um, there's some good points there that I hadn't necessarily, or that I didn't think of maybe was, um, so there's two projects I can think of recently um, where given that we're going into the recession, I probably wouldn't have done. So one is where um, there's a replatform, but, you know, it's a pretty simple site. They're literally just, you know, taking the business from one tech stack to another with no real net benefit. And, you know, it is a big distraction and I probably would have waited. Um, and then another one is, I guess just like someone new coming into a business and immediately kind of signing off a uh, like composable build when again it's not necessarily needed and there might not necessarily be a huge benefit short term when there is likely to see a reduction in demand and you know costs going up um so yeah i think that is a really good point where you do need to be sure that you're going to get the benefit and i think in most cases when people replatform there is benefit and you know there's a clear tangible gain to the business but yeah you kind of need that more than ever um at this point in order to kind of yeah really go into a project like this like a big replatforming project yeah i guess one of the ways to mitigate that is if you know this recession isn't going to be short-lived we know it uh, god knows what the full impact is going to be after the uh the economic statement in the uk this week anyway but you can pretty much bet that we're looking at you know a 12 12 to 24 months of the core cycle of it so a lot of time people want to do re-platforms quick especially when people pivot towards like a you know a shopify or a big commerce where you can launch quicker and projects total projects between three to six months rather than nine to 12 months one of the ways of looking at it is to slow down the project cycle and do it on a slower cadence. So you're taking out less resource out of the business every week. You're doing it over a longer period with stretched out milestones. Um, and you're not putting as much pressure to get key milestones signed off. And that might be a way of actually mitigating that risk. So you extend your product cycle. You don't extend the cost so much, but you just you don't pressure people to get tasks completed and actions done as quickly. And you know, the development partner has less 
pressure to get the project built within that you know three month build phase. I don't know what your what your viewpoint might be on that, or do you think that might simply just add inefficiency to by having a longer project cycle? Yeah, I think like you say, I mean, if there's the right reasons to do it, it makes sense. Um, I think yeah, I'm usually a fan of trying to get things delivered yeah as quickly as possible and as efficiently as possible. But I think it depends, doesn't it? And like you say, there can be benefits to that. Yeah, I think the one thing I'm thinking is I've got a couple of client projects at the moment where they are proceeding with the re-platforming and they, you know, we we agreed that, that they should, uh, you know, recruit a project manager in-house because typically my role becomes advisory once people are into selecting an agency and vendor and in build phase because a project manager is the most important skill to keep things ticking and effective. The question becomes, like, if if you've got a project manager on a on a fast burn six month project, you need them uh, um, on a contract full time for a specific bunch of that time. Which you know, freelance contract experience e commerce PMs are not cheap on a day rate. So the question becomes, if you stretch it out and reduce the cadence and reduce the day to day impact, and because the business will be a little bit quieter in terms of trading, could the existing e commerce team actually take on the project management interface? the agency and cut that cost out which then helps with the art with the business case for the for that project i don't know it's um i guess it's i I get your point about not wanting to slow things down unnecessarily i guess there's a balance here between stripping out cost where you don't need it um if you're expecting cost squeeze elsewhere yeah i think that's an interest but i think that makes sense and um i think the other thing that you said there is that in theory the pm could be more advisory as well and kind of guide internally i think that makes sense the only thing that i think is quite i guess it depends on the project doesn't it and how it's being delivered because i think usually like a dev agency will want to like ring fence a team for a period of time like stuff like that um I think that may, especially if you're in-house, I think that makes complete sense if you're delivering it with an in-house dev team. Um, yeah, which is like, and there's so many other variables around that as well. Like if, um, yeah, because uh, I guess that has its own challenges and, you know, they've got their own other day-to-day projects and everything else. Um, but no, I think that's I think that's a good point. Um, yeah, and, and you've obviously got the average project will probably have, you know, three or four external roles and the same principle could apply with those yeah yeah 100 percent, and it's well worth flagging that it's it might depending on which agency you're with it might not work they might not be able to get the right cadence and sprints by having a longer cycle because the team will have redundancy which will incur cost to you that's not being used um so all of these all of these points need to be carefully considered that i think the key takeaway that i'm trying to get on this is you, if you're going down the route of thinking that a capital investment is a sensible thing because it future-proofs you, it unpicks inefficiency, it might get rid of you know redundant costs or, or, or really um, cumbersome manual processes that slow you down, and you can unpick that by investing in this project and get better cost efficiency in the future. You've got to be sure that resource-wise you can deliver that project. Otherwise, you're going to create another set of problems that will distract you from the day-to-day trading challenges you're going to face. Um, So we've kind of talked around this, but I guess the the next point was, um, what are the the main benefits um, of doing this? Um, We've kind of covered that, I think. I think we talked around it. But how would you approach this type of work? So let's make the assumption you've done the risk analysis, you decided that there is a genuine business case to invest, 
um, whatever that's predicated upon, and you've decided to push ahead. What, are there any different considerations when you're doing this during a recession than there are normally for this type of project? Yeah, so I think you've raised um, a lot of them. I mean, the biggest, the biggest one is going to be a potentially smaller budget. So where you might have, you know, an extra 20% to have maybe some luxury vol- uh, roles involved to just de-risk the project further or improve delivery, um, et cetera. I don't, they may not be there. Um, and I think beyond that, there might be more eyes on it as well, potentially, or like a bit more attention on it, particularly if the business case is suggesting there's going to be some kind of net benefit to the business. I think a lot more stakeholders will be uh, focused on the project. And, you know, I'd imagine we've both been involved in projects in the past and you can't get stakeholders interested. Um, I think, you know, if there is a suggested uh, benefit to the business, I feel like uh, that change a bit. Um yeah, I feel like um I think I yeah, I can't think of anything else um off the top of my head. I think like you say, teams might be a bit leaner than they might have been before. Um yeah, I think but they're gonna that's gonna be the biggest one for me. I just think that everyone's gonna be more focused on um one, looking to achieve like where they can achieve growth. And if you know there is forecasted growth from certain things, there's gonna be a lot more attention on it. And then yeah, people are just gonna be pretty focused on large expenses and i guess this would be one of them so there maybe be a little be a little bit more pressure on the project yeah and i i guess one of the the interesting um potential benefits is if other businesses are pulling capital project i have i have a, a client i've worked with this year they i mean they're actually they're they're in the furniture space um and that's been a tough tough sector this year and they've paused on the capital investment projects and they're not the only one. I know of others through my contacts who've done exactly the same thing. They're just focused on trading. Now, that obviously impacts the sales pipelines of the technology vendors. The technology vendors are wanting to generate healthy pipelines. They're re- constantly you know, reporting and basing their, their revenue um, call estimations on, on the pipeline of status. So you might find that if you are one of the people who holds their nerve and has the resources, has the, the capital funds to do that without impacting your operational viability. And not all businesses can afford to do both. But if you can, you might find that puts you in a stronger position for negotiation around like licenses or even free periods. You might find you get an extended free period um, for the license so you can spin up you know, sandboxes and development environments without incurring fees. So you can, you can effectively dual run that project whilst you're on your existing platform without paying double licensing so you might have some negotiation efficiency in here with vendors who will be flexible and and willing because they obviously want to keep their incomes coming during a tough time um so well worth thinking about that um and it brings me on uh, i guess brings us on to the the, the final main question which is we talked about risks advantages why people might do it things to think about so let's try and summarize this if you are a e-commerce director paul how would you go about making the right decision? What would be your thought process? 
Yeah, I think um, a lot of it is the same principles that people have been applying for the last however many years. Um, so I think the only thing is there's going to be increased pressure in certain areas. So uh, obviously, people are going to want to reduce outlay. Um, and, you know, people will want to look at options that are maybe more cost effective. Um, but I think it's really important to continue to, you know, factor in long term growth, um, you know, make sure that you're making the right long term decision based on, you know, where the business is likely to need functionality or be able to layer on uh, customizations, et cetera, et cetera. Or if you're looking to, you know, internationalize further, you know, that needs all of that stuff needs to still be factored in. So I think not just making the decision based on cost of ownership, I think is key, but equally being mindful of cost of ownership. Um, I think, yeah, not rushing the decision is an important one as well. Like, again, there's going to be a lot of people that are trying to, you know, rush projects into financial year or, you know, just get stuff over the line pre a peak, et cetera, just to try and get the most out of it. Um, I've already seen that a little bit. Like, it feels like there's, um, because there's a certain level of panic in certain places, people are just trying to rush projects through. Um, and I think it's important not to do that. I think it's important to resource projects properly still. Um, and, you know, you might need to add in investment into consultants or, you know, QA or PM or whatever else. Um, but I think that's still really important and you need to take the same steps to kind of de-risking um yeah so i think they're kind of some of my main ones really but same principles that have always kind of been applied to replatforming um but just a few additional variables yeah i think the one i'd add to that is just being very very clear is what what is the biggest thing that's going to enable you to ride out this current economic downturn and then scale back up when people spend in returns is the issue platform related is it operational efficiency related is it product related where is the big where are the biggest issues and bottlenecks because if it simply is the e-commerce platform does not enable you to scale profitably because of the cost of running it the cost of developing on it then actually investing in that will give you a competitive advantage in the future if the problem is more Downstream, and it's more around fulfillment and um, you know warehousing and capabilities to get products out and pick more orders, pack more orders. And actually, the e-commerce platform is fine; it can hasn't reached its capacity. You know, it can fire down you know thousands more orders without any issue with stability and performance. Then, is the it, are you better off as a business focusing time and effort around those operational processes and building better capacity into that, um, and then squeezing the most out of your current platform? until it really is end of life and in need of movement. And maybe you can defer your replatforming decision by you know, two to three years. And I have seen this before. I've had a client who were who were wanting to move away from Magento and thought the platform was, was wrong. And it really wasn't the platform. They just weren't using it properly and it wasn't integrated properly with their back end. So if they'd solved their integrations, then even though Magento isn't a perfect platform, but it was perfectly fit for purpose and they hadn't remotely got to the point where there were going to be any performance or stability issues. So sometimes it's not the e-commerce platform, it's more the operational um, context around it. So that, that that would be, I guess, if I was back in e-commerce director mode, that would be what I'd be thinking is, do I really need to push the button on this now um, or does it is this a, a you know phase two or three? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think on the Russian one as well, that's reminded me of two projects or two com big conversations I had earlier this year 
where the recession was factored in and someone was on a big enterprise e-com platform and they, they wanted to move to Shopify and uh, Shopify would have been a risk at that point in time, like very international, complex international businesses. Um, and the motivation was like partly agility, but probably mostly uh, OPEX cost um and actually the right thing to do for both of those businesses was to continue to remain on those platforms there wasn't any like major costs coming up in terms of upgrades or license renewals or anything like that um and actually just invest a little bit more in getting uh having a better 12 months on the platform and then starting to review that same uh move in 12 months time to be honest and um yeah i think sometimes that is the right move it's not always like you know you have to replatform or it's not always worth the risks um so yeah that was a similar thing to what you were saying essentially yeah that that's a really nice example and also another point related to that is you could have right platform wrong partner so you could have had the platform set up architecturally in a way that isn't aligned with your operational processes so maybe for example the the way it's been integrated with the erp doesn't doesn't enable you to to pass all of the data that the ERP needs, um, or maybe you haven't got the, the 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 tools to get all of the data you need from back office systems like warehouse management into the e-commerce platform, and it's a ball ache and there's manual keying in e-commerce for you know stock new stock whatever it might be, and so the if if that platform was put in in the right way, um, that you wouldn't have an issue using it. And therefore, you shouldn't be trying to re-platform. You should be trying to re-partner. Uh, so yeah, I, I've had that before on a, on a platform where it was the, the partner hadn't got the solution right and wasn't given the right level of service and everything was slow to develop. So if people wanted to fix something, it took longer than it should do. If they wanted to add new features, the time to market was slow. And maybe it's a question of your partner needs to move. And if you change that relationship, and you do have to go through a little bit of a mini project and handover because no agency is going to take out another agency's implementation and do nothing with it. They're going to audit it and make sure it's fit for purpose and might need to change it. But maybe it's not re-platforming. It's basically handing over with a little bit of rework to minimise the cost and time. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, I feel like we've we've probably covered as much as we can um, without repeating ourselves and also uh, talking through what is just standard project management process, which we don't want to do today. It was more context specific. So look, thanks for listening. We hope you found it useful. Uh, we'd love to hear what people think. Like, Is there anything you disagree with? Anything you think we've missed that is an obvious thing people should think about during recessions when when planning for like uh, capital projects? Do let us know. We'd love to hear of it. Uh, keep your ears open for the next episode. We drop one every Tuesday. Do subscribe and please do give us that rating on Apple, Spotify or YouTube. We'll be forever grateful. Thanks very much. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host Paul Rogers via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.